there was no other person that could take the place for us, for our sins. There was no other person in history that has lived or will ever live that was perfect, blameless, and had the power to save. But we serve a God who has that power. 
And that same power that resurrected Christ from the dead, you know what the Bible says? It lives in us now. And so we're going to praise God this morning and sing of that power. Amen. There's a name that levels mountains. He carves out highways through the sea. I've seen his power unravel battles right in front of me. Oh, there's a faith that stands to fire. Since Goliath to his knees, I've seen his praise unravel shackles right off my feet. Oh, let's sing that. That's the power. That's the power of your name. Just a mention makes a way. Giants fall and strongholds break. There is that's the power that I claim. It's the same that rolled the rain. There's no power like the mighty name of Jesus. Oh, there's no one like you, Lord. And there's a hope that calls out in the furnace unafraid the kind of daring expectation that every prayer I make is on an empty grave that's the power of your name just imagine makes a You still do miracles. You will. 
is no power like the name of Jesus. Psalms 57 reads, My heart is fixed, O God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Awake up, my glory. Awake, sultry and harp. I myself will awake early. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations. For thy mercy is great unto the heavens, and thy truth unto the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. There was a moment when the lights went out When death had claimed its victory The king of love had given up his life The darkest day in history There on a cross they made for sinners For every curse his blood atoned Final breath and it was finished But not the end we could have known For the earth began to shake and the veil was torn. What sacrifice was made and as the heavens roared? Jesus 
You may be seated for a moment. We're talking about our king. And I want to read an excerpt from a scripture that was taken from a pastor by the name of Shadrach Meshach Lockridge almost 100 years ago. He said, my king was born king. The Bible says my king is a seven-way king. He's the king of the Jews. That's a racial king. He's the king of Israel. That's a national king. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. Do you know him? Don't try to mislead me. Do you know my king? David said the heavens declare the glory of God and the earth is filled with his handiwork. My king is the only one whom there is no means that can define his limitless love. No far-seen telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his shoreless supply. No barrier can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. That's our king. He's God's son. He's the center savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in himself. He's august and unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. He's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem in higher criticism. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the core and necessity of spiritual religion. That's our king. He's the miracle of the age. He's the superlative of everything good that you choose to call him. Well, he's the only one who can supply all our needs simultaneously. He supplies strength to the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He's our guard and he's our guide he heals and he cleanses he forgives and he discharges debtors he delivers the captive he defends the feeble he blesses the young he serves the unfortunate he regards the age he rewards the diligent and he beautifies the meek do you know our king my king is the king of knowledge he's the wellspring of wisdom he's the doorway of the deliverance he's the pathway of peace he's the roadway of righteousness he's a highway of holiness he's the gateway of glory he's the master of the almighty he's the captain of conquerors he's the head of heroes he's the leader of legislators he's the overseer of overcomers he's the governor of governors he's the prince of peace he's the king of kings and the lord of lords that's our king do you know our king this morning his office is manifold his promise is sure his life is matchless his goodness limitless his mercy is everlasting his love never changes his word is enough his grace is sufficient his reign is righteousness his yoke is easy and his burden is light i wish i could describe him to you but he's indescribable he's incomprehensible he's invincible and he's irresistible that's our king death couldn't handle him and the grave couldn't hold him that's our king he always has been and he always will be i'm talking about our king he has no predecessor and he'll have no successor there was nobody before him there'll be nobody after him you can't impeach him and he's not going to resign that's our king great is the lord that's my king your king the kingdom and the power and the glory thine is the kingdom forever and ever amen let's stand and worship together because that is our king this morning
Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, thanking you that you are worthy. The angels surround the throne, crying, who is worthy to open the scroll? The Lamb of God is worthy. You are the only one that's been worthy. We don't come here this morning in our good works. We don't come here with anything that we can offer. We come here broken. We come here with our humanity. We come here with our weakness. And we lay it all at your feet and we say, Lord, only you are worthy. And we need you in this moment. Holy Spirit, invade this place. God, we need you now. God, we need you to be able to adequately praise who you are and what you've done. We pray that you would meet with us in this moment. Speak to every heart that's here, Father. We pray that you would provide the blessing, meet the need. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. This morning, I want to welcome you to Southridge. We're grateful and thankful that you're here. Today is going to be a special service, but it's going to be a unique service. You see, today represents the beginning of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. This is Holy Week. It's Passover. Next Sunday, we will celebrate Resurrection Sunday. It's going to be a powerful Sunday. It's a powerful Sunday for every church, for what it represents. But we want to prepare our hearts to be ready for next Sunday. And this week, this Sunday, today, we wanted to prepare ourselves. And so we prepare ourselves by understanding what God did through Jesus in sending him to die on a cross for our sin so that we could have life. And so this morning, we want to have a special time of communion and a special time of worship. And I'd like for you to take your Bible, if you have one, to Luke 22. We'll just read a few scriptures as we prepare to take communion this morning and then worship the Lord. Luke 22, verse number 7, it says, Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat. So they said to him, Where do you want us to prepare? And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house which he enters. Then you shall say to the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where's the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large furnished upper room. There, make ready. So they went and found it just as he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover. When the hour had come, he sat down with the 12 apostles with him. Then he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat the Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup and after supper said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. Communion is about connection. Jesus wanted to help the disciples make a connection. I pray that this morning we can make the same connection. God wants us to come to a deeper place with him, to come to a deeper point in our relationship with him. And communion does that. Communion helps us to make the connection. And so today, as we prepare our minds and our hearts to receive communion, we are connecting to something that's happened in the past. It's a connection that needs to be made, not just with communion, but it ultimately connects us to the cross. But yet, as we look at this last meal that Jesus partook with his disciples, we see that there's more than a meal here. There's some deep meaning to this meal. And so it's important that we take a moment and we understand the meaning. If you go to Washington, D.C., there is a place that is called um, the Tomb for the Unknown Soldier. 
And if you were to go there this morning and if you were to go there, they would ask you to be quiet and reverent. If you went over there and you just want to talk loudly, there is an armed guard who stands there 24-7. Rain or shine, he stands there. There's meaning there. You see, this table has so much meaning. This is to represent what Christ did for us. And sometimes in our haste, you know, we get in the Silicon Valley, we get busy with everything going on. We can miss out on how important this is. It's not just important because, oh, the church says it's important. It's that Jesus gave his life for us. That's what makes it important. So we take a moment and we see that this meal, it had meaning. You see, this meal had a deeper meaning. I've heard several times in my lifetime somebody say, Semper Fidelis. It has meaning. Then my brother-in-law became a Marine and it had new meaning. I've looked at parents that had kids, thought, hmm, I would do it like this, I would do that, make some changes. It's easy to look at other parents until you have your own kids. Then it has new meaning. It always had meaning, but now it has new meaning. Communion has meaning, but it should have new meaning for a Christian. But too often, we don't let it have any meaning. I've done it. Maybe you've done it. We just casually just kind of, no big deal. The ultimate sacrifice. I mean, the ultimate sacrifice. It was the ultimate battle of good versus evil, of righteousness versus unrighteousness, salvation versus damnation, heaven versus hell. And we can't come at this the same. We've got to come at it and look at it differently. There's some meaning to this meal. You see, the bread represents Jesus' humanity. He was a human being. He said, this is my body. This is the Jesus' humanity. And the cup represents his blood as divinity because he didn't have an earthly father. He had a heavenly father. The bread and the wine, they commune, they come together. Community. They were both there. Fully man, fully God. That's what sacrificed. That's what gave his life. You see, Jesus is not just a good man. He is the God man. Both come together at the table. Jesus said, this is a new covenant that I give you. See, this covenant was not just like the old covenant. This was a blood covenant. This was Jesus Christ saying, no, there's a bloodline that was drawn. And that's what this covenant is. So there's meaning. Think about this. All the plagues that affected Egypt, there was 10 all of them affected Egypt, and none of them affected Israel. The plague of the water turning into blood didn't affect the Israelites. The plague of locusts didn't affect the Israelites. The plague of hail didn't affect the Israelites. The plague of the frogs didn't affect the Israelites. Flies didn't affect the Israelites. All of the plagues that affected Egypt did not affect Israel, except for one. Except for one. The last one. The death angel passing by. And there would have to be a bloodline drawn. And the bloodline that was drawn, that was the promise that if the blood is there, that the line is drawn, the death angel cannot enter. He will pass over you to the next. You see, this is Jesus making a bloodline, a blood contract with us, saying, I will save you. So this meal has deep meaning. But this is a meal of memory. You see, the Passover was a way to remember an event, but Jesus does something in verse number 19. He says this, and he took bread and gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Right now, this week, there will be families that are Jewish families that'll celebrate Passover and they will take the same matzah bread that we're gonna partake of. They'll have the same cup. They'll do a Seder service. All of this is the same, but they are looking back on an event but Jesus said, this do in remembrance of me. Passover was about an event, the death angel passing over. But he said, no, 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 no. This is about memory. This is about remembering me. Jesus changed it from an event to an individual. See, right now we get focused on events. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. It's eyes on Jesus this morning. We're remembering him this morning. 
It should be hard to forget someone who gave us so much to remember. But isn't it easy to forget about Jesus? It's Easter, so we're all going to go get our honey-baked ham. We're all going to get all the nice trimmings, the deviled eggs. And I think that's always unique on Easter to have deviled eggs. Uh, I know it's like a staple, but you're like the devil on Easter. I, I don't know. But it's neither here nor there. But we've got our minds set on all these things we've got to prepare. And really, the memory is lost that this is all about Jesus. It's all about what he's done. And this morning we come and we remember his sacrifice. But then the disciples are sitting there and none of this meal was new to them. You've got to understand. For us, this may be new. Maybe you're a Christian that didn't grow up in the church like I did. Maybe this is all new to you. But understand, for the disciples, they were used to Passover. This is a Jewish tradition. It's a Jewish holiday. And the city of Jerusalem would have been crowded to overflowing with people to celebrate Passover. So they're looking, and they see everything that's supposed to be there. The bread is there. The wine is there. All, everything is there. Except something was missing. They're looking at it. And I don't mean to be silly, but in the 80s, there was a very popular commercial. It's an older lady, and she looked at the hamburger, and then she would ask, where's the beef? There's no beef. The disciples are sitting there, and they're saying, we know we were told to prepare the Passover. The Passover was missing something. You say, what was missing? Well, we've got to go to Exodus chapter number 12 to find out what was missing, because in Exodus 12, there's very clear instruction beginning verse number 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, this month shall be the beginning of months. It shall be the first of months of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for his household. And if the household be too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of persons, according to each man's need. You shall take your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or the goats. You see, all 12 of the disciples are sitting there and they're saying, we have the bread, we have the cup, and it's kind of like Isaac is up on the mount with his father Abraham. The disciples were asking the same question Isaac was asking. Hey, we got the wood, we have the fire, but we're missing the lamb. And Abraham, all those years ago, spoke a prophecy that said the Lord will supply a lamb and we always think oh he was talking about that passage in Genesis oh no oh no he was saying hey one day God himself will provide the lamb and in John 1 verse 12 John told his disciples behold the lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world you see the disciples said something's missing and Jesus said guys guys no 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 it's not missing is right here. I'm the Lamb of God. We have everything we need. We've got the bread. We've got the wine. We've got the Lamb. Everything is here. Jesus provided it in Himself. See, the Lamb was missing at this, and that's the first time Passover Lamb was missing, but Jesus was there. My question for you is the Lamb of God missing in your heart this morning. We're going into this special week, but is He missing? Not at your table, but in your heart, in your life. He's the only way, salvation. Without Jesus Christ, there is no other way. So we come to him this morning. He's the Lamb of God. So this morning, the covenant, they sealed it with this meal of meaning, this meal of memory, and this meal that they thought something was missing. And Jesus said, no, I've got everything you need. And this morning, we come to prepare to take those same elements. This morning, we're going to prepare to receive the bread and the cup. I'm going to pray in just a moment, and we're going to worship. And as we do so, I'm going to invite you to stand. And right now, can we do that? Let's all stand right now. Because we're going to prepare to take the cup and the bread. And you can either take a whole piece of the bread, or you can break off a piece and receive the cup. But I'm going to invite you to have your heads bowed and eyes closed for a moment. This is a sacred moment. It's a special moment between us and God. Every person has a moment here. The Apostle Paul talked about this moment of communion. And he said that it's a great time for us to look back on our life, repent of sin, 
that we come to this and we say, Lord, I need cleansing right now. The blood represents the cleansing. His body was broken to provide salvation. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, understand that taking communion is not what saves. This does not save. We do not preach or teach transubstantiation here. This is simply bread, and it's simply Welch's grape juice. This will not save you, will not cure you. It's a memorial of what Jesus has done. But if you are not a Christian, you've never accepted Christ in your life, I would invite you to do so now. And if you've never done that, maybe you're a sincere skeptic. You say, I'm still checking things out, Pastor Micaiah. We're glad you're here. We're grateful. We know it's a unique service. But we would ask you to abstain from taking communion if you are not a Christian. This is a moment for believers to gather together to partake of the blood and that was spilt and partake of the body that was broken. This is that moment. We're remembering it. It'd be weird for me to go to one of your family members' graves. You'd say, well, what are you doing here? I don't know. I'm just here. Remembering this person. Well, you didn't know him. It'd be unusual if we were to come to this moment. If you don't know Jesus, it's an awkward moment, but it's also an invitation to receive Jesus Christ. So let me pray for us, then I'm going to invite you to slip out of your seat and to come and partake. Heavenly Father, I pray right now that you be glorified in this moment. God, there are no words to express the deep gratitude for which we have for your sacrifice. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sin, forgiving me, washing me, cleansing me, making me new, restoring me, giving me hope and giving me life. I pray that you would bless this moment. May you receive all the glory and honor and may our hearts be filled with gratitude for this time that we have. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. We invite you to slip out of your seat and receive the elements. We'll take it together back at our seats, but I invite you to come to the front and receive it, and then we'll come back and we'll pray, and we'll take the elements together. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you
This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he then took the cup of supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you that we can take this time to remember that there is deep meaning. We thank you for the fact that we get to celebrate a resurrected Savior. We look back with faith where our great spiritual giants had to look forward in faith. And we thank you that we can connect back to the cross. We thank you for this moment. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and worship as we prepare to close out our service. Would you stand with me as we sing one last song of worship and adoration? We're going to close off by singing What a Beautiful Name. With, and I want to read this book, this verse really quick. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and to the glory of God the Father. And we're going to sing, what a beautiful name.
Thank you so much, worship team. You may be seated as we prepare to worship the Lord through our tithes and offerings. Thank you so much for being here. Once again, this is your first time at Southridge. We thank you for being here, but at the same time, we know the service is not our normal uh, format. We just wanted to have a special time to prepare our hearts for Easter and get our hearts and minds ready and what God has done and the great sacrifice in sending his son Jesus. And so we're so grateful and we're honored that you're here as our guest. If this is your first time, we would love for you to fill out the connection card that you may have received on your way in. We've got a gift for you. We'd love to give that to you. And uh, if you got a chance, there's an espresso card. We've got some things we'd love to have you stick around and then invite you back next Sunday. So I'm going to invite the ushers to please come forward as we prepare to receive the offering. We've received so much this morning. Our church believes in the overflow. We minister out of the overflow. We give out of the overflow. And so this is our, our portion, our time to give back what God has given us. So let me pray a blessing over this offering as we prepare to receive it. God, no measure of financial gain can compare to the price that Jesus paid on the cross. And Lord, we don't give tithes to try to incur your favor or try to get anything from you. This is just us saying, Lord, this is yours. We're giving it back. We're grateful for what you provided. I pray for the needs in this room, many struggling with jobs or struggling with finances and are experiencing setbacks. Father, would you meet those needs? Thank you for how you provide miraculously for our church and our family. I pray, Father, that you bless this offering in the gift and the giver. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As the ushers prepare to receive the offering, just have a few short announcements, and then we're going to be dismissed. Next Sunday is Easter Sunday. Man, I'm excited about Easter. It's going to be exciting here at Southridge. We're grateful that you are here today. We want to invite you back next Sunday. And there's something neat about Easter. Just about anybody you invite to church is going to attend. So it's a great opportunity to invite people. We are going to have a great time after each service. For all of the young people, we've got uh, Easter baskets this year. Well, I shouldn't say baskets. we got bags for them, all right? So uh, for all the kids, we've got an Easter bag filled with goodies. Normally we do the huge Easter egg, egg drop, and we do all that. But this year we just felt that we needed to make a shift, that we are uh, all about corporate evangelism, but we were missing the personal evangelism. And so yesterday I was at a wedding, and at the wedding it was neat to sit there with a church uh, member, and they went around the table at everybody they were inviting from their neighborhood to church. And I was so moved by that because they remember what they received. And remember, we live out of the overflow, and so they were just pouring back what they had received. So Easter is a great time to invite people to church, invite your family, your friends, your loved ones. And uh, I know we sometimes make CEO jokes, Christmas and Easter only Christians. But you know what? We want people in church. We want to do whatever it takes to get people closer to God. And we want to make San Jose a hard place to go to hell from. And so we're glad that you're here. We're grateful that you're here. Lots of great things coming up. We're grateful that you're here. But right now, we're going to close out our service. I'm so grateful you are here. And uh, so I did this in the first service. I'm going to put him on the spot again. Michael, come on up here, man. That was awesome. Uh, would you close out our service in a word of prayer? And can we all stand as we prepare to be dismissed? Would you close this out, my friend? Thank no you. After I uh, end prayer, we can be dismissed. Father, we love you, Lord. We thank you that you gave us the time to gather under your roof, Lord. I know I felt your presence today, Lord. And as I venture out these doors, and as we all do, Lord, I just help you, help me to remember to walk in the Spirit, Lord. Help me to quench my flesh, because God knows when I walk in my flesh, Lord, I, I stray from you, Lord. And I hope to walk close to you this week. I hope that this sustains me, Lord. I hope that you help me to stay faithful in your word, Lord, early, first thing in the morning, God, that I wake up and seek your truth, and I commune with you, and I walk with you, and it prepares me as I venture out into this cold, dark world, Lord, that I may remain a light to any soul that I may come across, God. I love you, Lord. I thank you for this church. I thank you for this church family. I thank you for this amazing pastor. Bless his family, Lord. Bless the desire you've put in his heart. I pray to someday, Lord, to love you as much as I see my pastor love you, Lord. I ask for all these things in your son's name. Amen.